0: There is a deep sense of unease in our rapidly changing world. We all know something has been lost, but we don't know why or where it all leads. Popular culture tells us it is all about me and that we should worship our creations rather than the creator. In politics, the end justifies the means. In relationships, love means self-satisfaction. In life, status and appearance are what count. In the church, confusion replaces clarity and conviction. Our faulty and distorted view of God is at the root of all our problems within and without. But what if we viewed God differently? What if we saw him the way he longed for us to see him? Instead of worshiping a comfortable golden calf of our own creation, we can worship a God that is holy, wise, and just. One whose faithfulness and goodness are matched by His power and sovereignty over all things. This is a God that can deliver us from evil and transform lives. This is a God worth worshipping. The way back, the path of hope, starts with knowing God for who He really is. We need to know the real God.
1: Look, here and me. I assume that we've all been there at some point, kind of at a crossroads of sorts. You can think of it like this, like, like you're standing there and, and the God of the universe is clearly, unequivocally, no holds barred, he's telling you what to do. Whether it's, it's through a sermon or it's through his word or through prayer time or uh, through people in your, in your community group or, or a small group or accountability group or just people in your family, whatever it is, there's been this moment where, where God is clearly communicating to you what it is that you're supposed to do, but you just don't want to. And so you say no. And I'm, I'm imagining that, that we've all been there before. Some of us might be living there right now. But the reality is that that's a battle for every single Christian. See, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Uh, we've been made new. We have the Spirit of God living in us, but it doesn't make it easy. And some of you, I mean, some of you, that's, that's what you thought when you became a Christian. You were like, okay, well now all of a sudden making good choices is going to be easy. Now all of a sudden doing the right thing is going to be simple, but that's not the way that it works. What we know is that in your heart there's an everyday battle that rages and for the christian it's imperative that we win because when we win that battle then we grow in our relationship with the god of the universe but you know what if you're like me there have been far too many times in your life when um, that battle has happened and you have said no god I'm not doing it. I'm not changing. I'm not putting that away. I'm not leaving that behind. I'm not changing that behavior around. But what we understand is that Jesus calls us to something better. In fact, look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. Uh, Jesus replies. He's talking to, to some people who've tried to to trap him. And they've said, okay, so you're supposed to be the son of God. So we know that all of things that God says are important. So what's the most important thing? Um, And they're trying to get him to say something so that they can say, ha ha, you're a false prophet. We're done with you. But what happens is Jesus says, um, he sums up all of the old Testament law with, with a statement. And he simply says this, you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart and all your soul And all your strength. And he continues, he says, the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But I want to focus here. Here's what he says. Love the Lord your God with everything that you have. With all of the core of your being, with everything that you are about, you are to love the Lord your God. Basically, what Jesus says here is this. You want to win that daily battle. You want to win that battle for your heart. Here's what you do. You have zero priorities ahead of me. You love nothing as much as you love me. You serve nothing more than you serve me. You desire in the core of your being nothing more than you desire me. That is a tall order. But that is what God is looking for. But we struggle with that. And we struggle with that because, here's what I think, I think deep down, we struggle with that because we don't want to miss something great. There's something out there, and, and, and those of you that are younger than me, um, I'm kind of at this, at, 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 I'm 41, so not exactly, I'm a little bit older, but by and large, I'm at the cusp of this cultural break, okay? Okay. Um, and by and large, if you're younger than me, this is something that you know well. I'm going to say this, FOMO. Oh my, that's the one. By and large, we all suffer from FOMO. I'm going to say FOMO, and if you're younger than me, you're like, I know exactly what that is. Raise your hand if you know what that is. You're not younger than me. Okay. I mean, that was... <clears throat> Come on. My mother raised me better than that, and I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> not. FOMO is simply this. It's the fear of missing out. You know, millennials really struggle with this. You know what it is? Okay, it's Facebook, it's Instagram, Snapchat. It's those things, because what happens is all of a sudden, uh, we have to worry about this. We have to, my kids, I tell you what, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't say, oh, yeah, we really worry about that, but I'm sure they do, and, and you know, to a degree... Probably my wife and I do, but what happens is, it's all of a sudden, it's this group that I thought I was a part of, then I see on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, I see, wait a minute, they're all having fun without me. Why wasn't I invited to that? We always used to tell Riley, when, when Riley was, was a teenager, you know what, leave the party early. That was our rule first. So what time do you want me to be home? I said, I don't care what time you're home, but you leave Early. Why do you leave early? Why should I leave early? Everybody's still having fun. We're like, that's exactly right. You leave while it's still fun because something always happens to make it not fun anymore. Don't be there for that. But for her, that the angst was real. What am I going to be missing out on? And so we all have this fear of missing out. Okay, and, and it's not new. If you go back to the garden, it's what bit Adam and Eve. God said, you've got all of this to enjoy. All of this to enjoy. But there was that one thing. It was the fear of missing out. And that's exactly what Satan used to twist and tempt. was like, oh, no, 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 no. But there's something that you want. You know what it is at the heart of it all? At the heart of all that, that fear of missing out, especially when it comes to the Christian life, what it was for Adam and Eve and what it is for us when we're standing at the crossroad, it's a basic belief that God is not good. See, when you're afraid of missing out, you're like, I can't, I'm I'm at the crossroads and I know God says walk this way, walk away, Hans, put it down. It's good for you to walk away and I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm holding it and I'm looking at it and it's awesome and I'm saying, you know God, you want me to walk away from it but this is gonna be so good. This is gonna be so awesome that I can't miss out on this. And what that is, is that's a fear that God is not for me, that God does not have my best in mind, that somehow when I say yes to God, I'm going to be missing something awesome. And I wonder what would happen if deep down we all firmly believed that God was good and that God was for us. And see, this is, this is the basic thesis of this series. The basic thesis of the series is just this. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And when it comes to this, if I can't be sure that God is good, if I can't be sure that God is for me, and if I can't be sure that God wants good for me, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold fast to my own way. That's what Proverbs says, right? Proverbs said, there's a way that seems right to men, but guess where it leads? You know the text. There's a way that seems right to men, but it leads to death. But the path of God is the path of righteousness. It's the path that leads to life, to good things. And what happens is I'm at the crossroads and and God says, You know what? Well, maybe this one isn't me, but this one maybe it's you now, maybe it's been you before, but you're standing there and and God says, You know what? I know it's gonna be hard, but you're gonna have that baby. But the way that seems right to me is to go this way because it's a whole lot simpler if I don't. Or I'm standing here and God says, you know what? I've called you to sexual purity. <sighs> yeah, but, but if, I, if I go this way, I'm missing out on something so great here and, and, and then it's going to get ruined. And, but God says, you know what? I know what's best for you. He says this, you know what? Oh man, you guys are like, yeah, talk about abortion. Talk about sex. I'm going to hit the rest of you now. God says, I desire you to be a good steward of the financial resources I've given you. That means, biblically speaking, that 10% of it comes back to the church and over and above Beyond Gifts go to help people in Puerto Rico or um, in Florida or in Texas right now or local missions and people that struggle. Matt and Amy Klein who are here that need support to to finish their ministry in, in Turkey. God says, that's not yours. I gave that to you to be a steward of. Your job is to redistribute that. We say, yeah, I I know, God, I know that's what you're asking me to do. I know that's what your word says, but, but I'm afraid that if I give that up, I'm going to miss out on something else that it could provide. And, and it's this fear that God is not at his core good, but what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so what it comes into your mind when you think about the goodness of God is critically important. Uh, Chip Ingram, in, in his book, The Real God, who, who were, we used as the jumping off point for this series, he says this, there's a secret law at work in your soul, and that is that you're always moving towards your mental image of God. So I could stand up here and I could tell you that God is good and that God loves you, and I could say that every week. God is good, God loves you. God is good, God loves you. God is good, God loves you. And you'll hear me and you'll process it and you'll say, okay, you know what? God is good and God loves me. But if that's not your picture of God, what happens when you leave here is that you will slowly start to gravitate yourself back towards what your mental picture of God is. And if your mental picture of God is that God does not have your best in mind, that God's a bully, that that God's a, uh, a drill sergeant. And what happens is you'll leave here, and I've said God is good, and God loves you, and God is good, and God loves you, and God wants good for you, and trust God. Follow him because he's got good things in store for you, and you walk away, and what happens is you start to forget that, and you start to gravitate and drift towards this other view of God, which says, you know what? I can't trust God. I can't choose this hard thing because I'm not sure that God really wants good for me, and so I'm going to run this way instead, and it never, it never works. So we have to see God well. And so that's what we're dealing with. We're, we're really looking at uh, what it is that God is when it comes to his goodness. And I'm going to tell you this before we start. Okay? With me here? God wants you to be happy. Some of you want to argue with me. You're like, no, 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 Matt. You've told us before that happiness and joy are different. Happiness and joy are different. But listen to me. God wants you to be happy. The problem is, like everything else, we've talked about this now multiple weeks in a row, the problem is, like everything else, you've been discipled to think that happy is one thing when the good and gracious God of the Bible tells us it's something different. But God wants you to be happy, not your version of happy, not a cheap knockoff version of happy. But God wants you to be happy deep down in your soul for this life and for eternity. And what he says is, he's like, yeah, I, I, I know. I know that that's easy, and I know it's cheap, and I know it fulfills for a second, but, but it leads to death, and it's not right. And I want you to be happy, really happy. And we're going to see in Scripture that, that everything in Scripture backs that up. Let's start with this. Psalm 84, I'm going to read you 10 through 12, but you've got verse 11 on the screen there here's what it says. It says, a single day in your courts. This is uh, now, this is uh, the author talking about um, being in God's um, temple, in God's courts here in this holy place. So a single day in your courts is better than a thousand days anywhere else. And he says this, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God, not a prized position being the gatekeeper, Okay. But he says, I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. And this is the verse you have. For the Lord, God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and mercy. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. What joy for those who trust in you. And so we see this, this text here. It starts with just this simple thing that the psalmist tells us, that God is good. He describes it this way. Our Lord God, the Lord our God, is our son and our shield. I mean, think about that. The Lord our God is our son, The source of life gives nurture and sustenance and light and is good. The Lord our God is our son. Oh yeah, and our shield. He protects us. This is the psalmist saying that that the Lord our God gives us everything we need to live. Okay, and the Lord our God will do whatever it takes to protect us and keep us safe. He is for us. What this tells us is that God is predisposed. Get this now. Hear this. You, this is you got to understand when your view of God. Okay, really affects everything. Then understanding his goodness. Get this: God is predisposed to do good for you. God desires to do good for you. A. W. Tozer says it that, that uh, he says this. He says the goodness of God is that which predisposes him to bene- be benevolent towards man. The goodness of God is that which predisposes him; it makes him always ready to be benevolent or good towards mankind. That's the character of God. He is always ready to do good for you. He is your son. He is your shield and he will withhold no good thing from you. See, this is some of us, we stand at that crossroads and we're like, okay, God, I get it. I know what you want for me, but I'm not sure that's best for me. I'm not sure that's really going to be what makes me happy. I'm not sure that's really going to be what I want. And so, so I think I want to go this way, but no, 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 no. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. No good thing. See, that's how it works, right? We stand here and we're like, okay, well, time out. You're telling me I got to give that up. I like that. Listen, I know this will not shock you, but I am not in great shape. I would like to be in better shape. I walk a little bit. And I think about eating better food. Like, I think about it every morning. But you know what? Pizza is really awesome. And so I'm standing here, and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, I know being healthy is good, and I know it's right, and I know this, and I, I get it all, but pizza... And I joke about it, but sooner or later, it's going to kill me. That's why I'm trying. Okay? Sooner or later, it's going to kill me. But it's good in the moment. That's what it's like when we say no to God. See, get this last part. He will withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. But we're like, no, 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 because the thing he's telling me to leave is good. But it's not. It's what I've been discipled to believe is good. It's not what's good. See, and and this is is the problem that we run into all the time. You know what it's like? We've talked about this before. We're like little kids. See, when it says, the Lord will withhold no good things from those who do what's right, you're like, oh, well, God's mean to everybody else. No, 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 no. The thing about doing what's right is those that follow God, those that trust him, those that do what he says is right, that's where the goodness of God is found, and, and we're like, well, see, then, then God is, is being a bully. He's telling us what we have to do, and he's telling us what we can't do, and he's messing with my life, and I don't want to mess him with my life, but we, we always get so confused about this. We're like kids. Those of you that have had little kids before, you know anything about little kids, you know, you put them outside, and you're like, you can, you can go play, but stay in the yard. You go wherever you want, in the yard, But don't leave the yard. Where's that five-year-old going to be when you look out your window? In the neighbor's house, in the street, somewhere else. Why? Because when you say, no, 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 don't leave the yard. He hears or she hears, why are you trying to put put restrictions on me? Why are you trying to mess with my freedom? Why are you trying to rob me from something that I know is going to be fun? You're like, you can go anywhere, just not in the middle of the street. What's that kid going to do? Can't tell me not to play in the middle of the street. i don't play in the middle of the street if I want to play in the middle of the street. Who do you think you are? Tell me not to play in the street. Next thing you know, he's standing in the middle of the street. Why? Because when we put a restriction in place, he's sure that we're trying to rob him of some experience And he doesn't want to miss out on it, that fear of missing out. He doesn't want to miss out on the experience of playing in the middle of the street. It sounds so ridiculous. but That's what we do. It might be more sophisticated. The consequences might be slower. They might not be as obvious as getting hit by a car. But they're just as Real. See, when God says, I withhold no good things from those who do what's right, those who follow me, those who trust me, he's saying is, and this has always been the case ever since the garden, what God is doing is not holding you back from things that would be good for you. What God is doing is he's putting a fence around the yard and saying, go play freely in the yard, enjoy it, experience it in safety, soak in all the goodness I have for you. And don't leave the fence. Don't go outside because when you do that, it feels good. It thinks it's good. It seems to fulfill. But in the end, it leads to death. And I love you too much for that. That's the way God operates. But he is our son and our shield and he will withhold no good thing. Get this through your head. God is good and generous. God takes, track this now, God takes Holy pleasure in your happiness. It's just the way he works. When you are happy in him, he takes holy pleasure in that. See, some of you have this view of God where you think of God as mean or a bully because he doesn't want you to have what you want to have. And you think somehow God is, is, is like a mean parent saying, no, okay, you can't have that, right? This is always, this is a, a common scene growing up at my house is I would be at Grandma Buchanan's. My grandpa would be there too, but you know, grandma was the one that always came to our defense. And I would say, grandma, can I have this? I don't know what it was, it's something, anything. And she would say, well, of course you can and then my mom would swoop in, no, you can't have that, you don't need that, leave it, no, grandma, I know it's Sunday night and there's school tomorrow, but can I skip school and spend the night with you tonight? I just love you so much, I love being at your house. Oh, sure, Maddie, you can do whatever you want. <sighs> no, school's important, you have to go to school, and I'd be like, why are Like, this is the words I'm saying. Why are you stealing my grandma time? Don't you love me? If you loved me, you'd let me spend time with grandma. You don't know how much time she has left, mom. (laughs) That's kind of a jerk. Aren't you going to feel bad if we go home? And this was the last... Yeah, you laugh about it now. You should have seen my mom. But this is, this is the way we are. And with kids, we see it. It's so ridiculous. But when we do it, it's no different. The consequences are different. The stakes are higher, right? Everything is delayed a little bit. It doesn't happen immediately. I don't get hit by a car right now. I don't miss school in the morning. But God knows. You know why? Because God's sovereign. Oh, listen, you got to be here next week. You got it, whatever you got to do to get here next week, you got to be here next week because Vince is going to teach us, you know, it's all about how we see God and all about the character of God. And Vince is going to teach us about the sovereignty of God and it's going to be so good. So you got to make sure you're here for that next week. But a sovereign God that knows all things, nothing is confusing to him. He knows exactly how everything is going to work out. See, this is what blows my mind when I make this mistake, because I still make this mistake all the time, and it blows my mind that a God that I trust, a God, if I really believed he was good, and he knows everything that's going to happen, everything that could possibly happen, and he says, hey, Matt, I got an idea. Go this way. I'm good. I love you, and I know everything. Trust me. Go this way. And I'm like, yeah. I think I'll go here but if i really believe and here's the other thing if you really trusted that god was good all i mean a lot of you struggle with not not everybody here but a lot of you struggle with fear and anxiety fear and anxiety wreck you and if you really believe that god was good i gotta think that most of that fear and anxiety just melts away why because the sovereign god of the universe is for me desires good, is predisposed to do good to me, and he says, go this way. So you know what? I'm going to go this way, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I don't have to be anxious about it. I don't have to be fearful about it. Why? Because God is for me, and he says, go here. So why would I not? And whatever happens here, I know it's best. But we struggle. We struggle with it, and I get it okay? There's tension there. And a lot of the tension is, again, it goes back to this, because I have a fear of missing out. And then for a lot of you, there's a lot of tension in trusting that God is good because the world seems so bad. And so I'll acknowledge that for you. If you're you're in that camp and you're like, well, how can God be good when the world is so messed up? How can God really be good when so much is really wrong with the world? And I'm going to say, you know what, that is a fair question. I'm going to say, there is an answer, and I'm not going to dig too deeply in it now, but if you're curious about that, you can go back and listen to this sermon and get these dates, or you can write these dates down on your notes or something. But I want you to go back, and there's a couple of sermons I direct you to. Uh, One is July 2nd of this year. We were working through Romans 8, and we dealt with what happens, where is God, and what is it when things go wrong, but then... um, uh, maybe better uh, would be April 17th of 2016. You can still find that on the archives online. Um, April 17th of last year, 2016, uh, we, we dealt with some tragedy here in, in our church family, and, and we, we kind of had a sermon that Sunday about where is God when this stuff happens, and how does a good God let these things happen, and so we dealt with that together um, as, as a group. Um, and so hopefully you'll find those instructive. And I know that's a reason. Some of you are like, God can't be good because, okay, but God is good. And the reason that God is good. Okay. Is because it's in his nature to be good. He is predisposed to be good. And the Bible tells us three specific ways that God is good and that God is for us. And, and, uh, we're going to go over these three ways, give credit to Chip Ingram for, for breaking these three down in this way. Uh, but here's, here's what we've got. First is simply this. God is, is good, and he reveals his goodness to us through natural blessings. God reveals his goodness through natural blessings. Part of the fact of the world that we live in, see, we're all like, oh, tragedy, tragedy, things are bad, things are awful. Why we live in a world where, where there's hurricanes and there's tsunamis and there's earthquakes? Well, if we go back and we read Genesis 3 pretty carefully, we'll figure out why those happen, okay, where they come from. But then the question is, well, why doesn't God stop them? And it's the wrong question. Jeremiah, when he's looking at a ruined Jerusalem, okay, you read the book of Lamentations, Lamentations 3, Jeremiah is looking at a ruined Jerusalem. This is the the city, the capital city of God where the temple was. And it's the thing he loves. And God's presence dwelled here in the Old Testament. And he's looking at it, and it's ruined, and it's been overrun by the Babylonians, and they've destroyed it, and they've taken all... Uh, uh, the, the folks either killed them or taken them away to captivity, except for Jeremiah, because um, God looked favorably upon Jeremiah. And so here he is, and he's, he's up on a hilltop, and he's looking over the city in, in ruin, destruction. And he doesn't say, God, why did you let that happen? He says, great is your faithfulness, God. It's because of your great love in the first place that we are not consumed. Because of your predisposition to be good to us, that's the only reason that we are not completely wiped out. Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. And so we get this picture that even in that tragedy, God is still working and, and that preserving and helping. But we see that through natural blessings, God shows us that he's good. The sun shines on the just and the unjust alike. The rain comes down on the just and the unjust alike. In God's grand design, oxygen happens. The atmosphere is perfect on the just and the unjust alike. God gives natural blessings that show us that he's good. And here's the thing. There is nothing about us that would cause God to do good for us there's nothing about my nature. God doesn't look at me and say, oh man, there's something so special about that guy. I need to make sure that Vinton gets sunshine today. I need to maintain the atmosphere around Vinton today because Matt's there and I can't lose that guy. But God has natural blessings that he pours out. Look at Look at Psalm 145. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. Everyone. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. The fact of creation, the fact of this world we live in, the fact of the seasons changing, right? We're like, oh, no, 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 science has done that. Go back and listen to last week. Yes, science has done that. Why? Because God sets it in motion. Do your research. Don't believe it because I say believe it. Do your research and and, and pick up on all of the ways that this life, this planet, this thing is so fine-tuned that if if you change just one little thing, the whole thing falls apart. But this is so finely tuned for life. Why? Because God's good and God is gracious to all his creation. Two, God reveals his goodness through specific deliverances. Many of you have had the scenario where you have been broken in prayer for something, and you have prayed, and you have begged God, and you have wrestled with God, and you have pleaded with God, and you have asked God, and God has answered your very specific prayer. There are very specific times when God intervenes, and he shows his goodness through specific deliverances. Many of you have had that experience. Biblically, let's look at it here. Cycle the Judges. You ever read the book of Judges in the Old Testament? Um, It's a story that happens over and over and over and over again. And here's what we have. We have the people of Israel serving God. People of Israel start to sin. And I'm not talking about little sins. I'm not talking about, oh, you know, I used foul language today, and so that was no good. I'm talking about, like, they sinned. They started worshiping other gods. They started bowing down to other idols. They started participating in um, things that were blatantly sinful. There's moments here we read where they sacrificed at times because of a drought their firstborn children. Things that were detestable to God. They did. And so God abandoned them. And they became slaves to other nations. But what happens every time? Cycle the judges over and over and over and over again. They cry out, and what happens? God hears. God intervenes. God delivers them. See, and it's weird. See, the God we think of sometimes, the God that you have in your head sometimes, And you're like, okay, so I was doing good, God was blessing me, and then I decided to go do something stupid and sin. And now I'm stuck in sin, and my life is in shatters, and it's broken, and it's messy, and it's awful, and, and nobody wants anything to do with me, and I've, I've really made a mess of things, and I've jacked it all up, and it's all bad. That's where I'm at. And I would say, in my life, that if I tried to cry out to God then, What would I expect to find? A God who's distant, disappointed, angry, a God who's frustrated with me, a God who turns his back on me, a God who says, You made your bed, you sleep in it. But that's not what they find, that's not the God of the Bible. Every time this happens, they turn and they cry out to God and God is near them and God is for them and God is just waiting for them to cry out for help. That's, that's what you have to know is God longs for you. God wants you to cry out because he longs to rescue you. You've messed it all up. See, if you're like me, I used to have this thing. Sometimes I still do when I'm not very smart, but I used to have this thing where I thought, man, if I did something stupid... And I really made a mistake that, that I had to kind of avoid God for a good three, four days. And that, that I couldn't pray. I couldn't really read the word. I couldn't necessarily even listen to Christian music because it, it felt like, like, no, 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 God, I, I, I can't just come to God right away. Like, I need to self- flagellate. I need to, to, to be hard on myself. I need to really, because if I go to God too early, God's going to be like, no, 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 man. That's, that's not real. That's fake. You stay away from me. You're not, you're not ready yet, but that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is longing for you to turn to him so he can put his arms around you and rescue you because he's predisposed to do good to you. And so he wants you to come to him and he wants you to say, yes, I messed up just a second ago. And yes, I want to do better. And yes, I long to be in a relationship with you because he's predisposed to do good to you and he wants to wrap his arms around you, wants to rescue you. But we can only do that when we understand that God is good and God is for us and God wants good things for us. It doesn't really work. I mean, think about it with kids. If you've got kids, think about it with your kids. Think about it with your spouse. Like there are times goes back, talks like, hey, Carrie and I, you know, like, I sometimes do stupid things. And there were times when like, oh, I did something really stupid and I made Carrie mad and she had a right to be angry with me. But here's the thing. She's, she's waiting for reconciliation in the relationship, right? She's waiting for us to be good again. She's waiting for it to be right. And what am I doing? I'm like, no, oh, I just, I have to keep my distance because I, I messed that up. That's not the way that it works. You don't want your kids doing that. You don't want your spouse doing that. That's not the way God looks at you. God wants you to turn to him. And then the third way, the most excellent way, the best way, the thing that we must understand, the thing that's non-negotiable is this. God reveals his goodness, goodness to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 8, 32. Since God did not spare even his own son but gave him up for all of us, won't he also give us everything else? See, there's this understanding here that God is predisposed to do good to us. And here's the proof. While we were still sinners, while we were still in open rebellion, and some of you are like, I was never in open rebellion. Okay, you were in passive rebellion. Indifference is rebellion. Like, God, I don't think you're real. That rebels against God. God, I'm indifferent to you. That's you rebelling against God. God, I hate you. That's you rebelling against God. They all look different, but they're all active rebellion against the God of the world. And while you were actively rebelling, some of you are still actively rebelling. This truth is good. God says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, while we were in rebellion, won't He also give us everything else. See, God has given you everything that you possibly need. And here's the key. He gave it to you when you didn't deserve it. He gave it to you when you didn't care about Him. He gave it to you when you were in active rebellion to Him. And so the the point is, Since God gave us his own son when we were in active rebellion, won't he also give us everything else? And the answer is, of course he will. And the proof is in his son. See, that's not just proof of how much God loved us. That's proof of the fact that God will always be generous toward us. So yes, he did that for us in the past, but the promise is, won't he also give us everything else? And it's never never going to be done. So get this, Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. You can't forget that. And so as we, as we wrap up, um, this, this sermon, this, this text, this understanding of how good God is. And the idea is that when you follow him, it's good and it's right. Okay. And your life makes more sense because God is sovereign and he knows, and he's predisposed to do good for you. Okay. There really are three ways for us to respond to this. We're going to take communion, but before we take communion, I'm just going to give you these three ways, and we're going to pray together as, as uh, the men come forward and, and prepare to serve us communion. Uh, I'll give you some more instruction on that in a minute, but, but the first way is this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I mean, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if that's you, then the call to action for you is simple. You need to receive Christ. The invitation is good. The opportunity is there. If you are here and you're like, you know what? You talk about being a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I've never submitted to God. I don't don't have the Holy Spirit necessarily living in me. I I don't really know what that's about. Then you know what? For those that are non-Christians, the idea here is that this is your opportunity to respond and repent. It's not a complicated process. There's no magic prayer to pray. It's a heart decision that simply says this. I am broken. I'm a sinner. Jesus provides my salvation. He died on the cross for me. I'm going to trust him and repent. The trust him says, I'm going to trust him because he is good and he is right and he is God's son and I'm going to follow him and repent. Repent has this idea of you turning 180 degrees and going the opposite direction. When you repent, it's it's simply a matter of saying, you know what? Here's the deal. I know that I'm doing wrong, and so I'm going to stop doing wrong because of Jesus, and I'm going to go this way. And so, if you're here today and you've never accepted um, Jesus as your Savior, you're not following Jesus. And again, it's not well. Yeah, but Matt, I was baptized. I don't care. Like I'm glad you were baptized. I, hopefully, I if you're if I've been here and that I hopefully had a part of it. Whatever. But being baptized isn't like, oh, okay, well, now I'm following Jesus. No, no, no. Oh, but, Matt, I, I did my first communion. Okay, great. And hopefully you've done your second, third, fourth, 50th, whatever. But, but Matt, I, I, I'm a member at the church. Okay, cool. But I give regular, whatever. You know, I, I, all of that's great. But following Jesus is following Jesus. That's what makes you right with God, nothing else submitting to God, saying, I trust Jesus, and I am committing to following Jesus. That's what makes you a Christian. That's what, is, what, the, what the word would say is born again. So that's you. That's the invitation this morning, how you respond to God's goodness. Some of you, though, um, you're already Christians, but um, you just aren't surrendered. You know, you're, you're living a life, you're at the crossroads, you're going the wrong direction because you, that battle is real and that battle is daily and you're losing it because you just don't trust God's goodness. And you're afraid that if I follow this way, that means I'm missing out on something over here that's awesome. And, and because you don't want to miss out, you're just... Listen, some of you need to, to, to receive Christ. Some of you, though, need to submit. Some of you just need to submit to the goodness of God. And this is a time for you to make that decision. If there's things in your life and you're like, I just need to submit to the goodness of God and I need to trust that he is for me and I need to put away my idea of what's best for me and trust that God in his sovereignty knows what's best for me, this is a time for you to respond that way. And then the third way is this. There's some of you that are fighting the good fight. You're, you're here today, you're trusting Christ and you're fighting the good fight, but you are losing faith and it is hard And I would just say this to you. The opportunity for you today is to claim the promise of Psalm 8411. That in the middle of the hard fight, that God is for you. Trust in his promise that he is your son and he is your shield and he will withhold no good thing from you even when it feels hard. Even when it feels like pressure is coming from every angle. Even when it feels like why why do i keep doing the hard good christian thing and everybody else's life seems easier why 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 no 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 no. claim the promise that god is your son and your shield and he will ultimately withhold no good thing from you okay and so we're gonna ask the elders to come forward we're gonna we're gonna do communion this morning and as we do that what's going to happen is uh we're just gonna come forward and and uh uh receive the bread receive the juice and, and uh uh, then after that, we'll just ask you to, to quietly exit. Uh, you can sit down and continue to pray and contemplate at your at your chairs if you want. But uh, when communion is over, the service will end. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to as I pray. I'm going to ask you to pray with me, okay? Uh, and and what I'm going to ask you to pray for is where do you need to respond? See, because ultimately what it comes down to is communion is all fine and good, but communion is not just something we do so we can check it off the list and say, yep, did communion this week, so I'm good to go. Communion is something we do because it's a response to who God is. Okay? So we, I mean, you know, Jesus took the bread, he broke it, he said, this is my body, it's going to be broken for you. Do this to remember me. And so they all took it and they ate it and it was a symbol of of the brokenness that happens on the cross. And he, and he poured the, the wine in the cup, and, and he says, this is, my, this is my blood that's going to be shed for you. Poured out is a sign of the new covenant. Do this. Remember me. And so, so we do it, and, but it's not just a flippant, okay, Jesus said, do it, we did it, we're done. No, 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 this is a time of introspection. If you're going to come up here and you're going to take communion today. And you're all welcome to come take communion. This is, this is not something that, oh, you've got to be a member of Blessed Hope Church. We say, look, if you're a Christian, this is for you. That's as simple as it gets. If you're a Christian, this is for you. If, if, if this is your opportunity that you're becoming a Christian, this is for you. If, 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 you know, any of it. But here's what I'd say is that if you're going to come and take communion, you should do so knowing that you are reflecting on the character of God and his goodness. And if that means that I need to repent before I come and take communion, then guess what? Repent before you come and take communion. If that means that that you need to just claim the promise that God is good, and I know God's good, and I know it's hard, but I can do this, do that as you come and take communion. Use this as an opportunity, not just to eat the bread and, and drink the juice, but use this as an opportunity to bind yourself in the promise that God is who he is that he is your son, he is your shield, and he will withhold no good gift from you. So would you pray with me? Um, and in that prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond quietly with your own prayer and your own heart to make whatever decisions you need to make, and then we'll do this together. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for your word and your truth that tells us what kind of a God you are, that you are a good God, a gracious God, a kind God, a God that is predisposed to, to be compassionate on us and to give grace to us, to do good to us. Because in your heart, in your character, you are good. You couldn't stop being good and still be you. And God, we thank you for that truth. We thank you that you are our son, that you are our shield. We thank you that you have shown goodness to us through nature, through the natural blessings of the world, through the air we breathe, the sun that we have and, and the rain that falls and the food we eat, we thank you that you have um, demonstrated your goodness to us through the, the ways that you deliver us from evil, the ways that you hold us um, in difficult situations, the way that you come through for us. And Father, most importantly, we thank you for the way that you've shown good to us through the person of Jesus Christ, that you sent your own Son so that he could lay down his life, so that we could have new eternal life when we trust and follow him. And Father, as we come to the communion table, I pray that we will respond, that we will either receive new life in Jesus as we submit for the first time, or that we will uh, repent and submit our lives um, as, we, as we try to do what you've called us to do, or that we will be encouraged in our faith. God, we thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus' body on the cross and his blood as a sign of the new covenant, that we could have a right relationship with you. We just love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. Amen.